you can open your Bibles in Acts chapter 10. And um, we'll read the whole chapter, but um, it's not a long one, so you should be okay with that. And it's a good place to start. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. Bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and departed, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier from among those who were attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while they were there preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for you coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to this house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And then the following day they entered Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius uh, met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. 
and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who called, who's called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all he has done, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death and hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him, and he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for three days. If we can just open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Verses 15 to 21. We ourselves are Jews. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatia. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a, a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For though the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life now that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Amen. I've had, um, I've had a privilege to, to talk to a few churches last year and, and the year before who were starting new works to reach out to different communities. Well, I wouldn't say they were doing it on purpose. There's a bit of a challenge with them on some of these things. And being here in City Temple has helped me to shift the way I think on some of these things. It's have kind of made me think a little bit more about what it means to be missional or, or reach communities or, you know, what is it, who, who do we 
want to reach out to in London. And in talking to some of these churches, uh, one was here in London, one was in Barcelona, and another one was uh, actually a, a community within London as well. And I, I just wanted to share a little bit about them because I think to, to kind of relate to what we've read in, in Acts chapter 10. And one of the churches that I visited, I had to do some study placement there with them. And um, a great church in a sense that they really believed in the, in the word and they really loved their community. And they were very gifted in evangelism in that sense. Um, but they asked me, what do you think? You know, what's your opinion? What, well, how do you see us as a church? And I said, I don't think I would feel very welcome to be part of your leadership or your pastoral team. And he was a bit taken back by that. And I said to him, you know, all your elders and all your ministers here in the, in the, in the team are all white middle class. Yet your congregation is very diverse. You have people from the Caribbean, Africa, Asia, and even Latin America. There's some Latin Americans in the service. But yet it just doesn't feel like your leadership represents that. So he was quite set back by that. And I said, you know, I just, it just doesn't seem right, especially when you've got many people from the community that can rise up. So he said to me, oh, you better come to my leadership and say the same thing to them. Well, he said that, it never really kind of realized. Like, I guess it was kind of a promise, but never really kind of came through. The same thing happened to me in Barcelona. There was a church there, and they, again, they, I don't know why, they say, what do you think of the church, and what will you change, or what do you think would be good for that? And I said to them, it's great what you're doing here. You've got 300 people in this wonderful building that you're doing in Barcelona. But does your community or does the people around you know who you really are? Are you really reaching out to them? Now, he was really troubled by that. Because uh, especially where he was, he was in what we would call like the council estates and um, quite the downtown or the lower part of the city. And they had a large community of gypsies, a large Spanish community, and a large Latin American community as well. And they were thinking of doing this. They were thinking of doing a service for the Latin Americans, then another service for the Spanish, the nationals, and those who speak uh, Catalan. So that's a whole other story in Barcelona. And an, another service for the gypsies. And I'll leave you that for there because there's some things that happen afterwards, and I'll share that at the end, but that was it. And then and the third kind of story here, was closer to home, was seeing a church that struggled to really kind of reached the nation that they had kind of become a missionary for. And yet, with my wife and I, we'd, we'd kind of pushed the barriers with them and said, you know what, you really need to kind of, we need to go somewhere more. We, you know, it's great that we win people who are like us, but we need to win people further out. And that was a whole other ball game, and it was really difficult for my wife and I in that place. And I'll, I'll share the end of that story at the end, of, at the end as well. But looking at this text, and thinking about these barriers, thinking about these, sometimes even religious kind of walls that put up, or sometimes these kind of things that we, 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 we set around ourselves, whether we like them or not. Here in London, there's sometimes barriers of, of class, middle class, working class. And you can see it by the way someone talks. There are barriers because of community cultures. And there, there are all these things. And looking at the text here, I see that this centurion, who is a Roman, who was occupying a, a Caesarea, which is like an administrative point of, of, of government that, that, that uh, the Roman army had placed in there. And you see this man 
He's in charge of a large group of men, a hundred men. He's a centurion. He's, he's, he's a military guy. He's educated. He's very prosperous as well. Probably earned five times more than a regular soldier. So this man was equipped. He was uh, an intellectual, but also financially prosperous. And the scripture says that he's a God-fearing man. He's a man who, who has this knowledge of God, but yet hasn't yet understood the gospel. Living in the shadow of the cross yet, we could say in a way. He understood there was a God. He saw something in the Jews. Yet he wasn't circumcised. He wasn't a Jew yet. But he was respected. And it seems that the Jewish community around there respected him. As we see that in the text that you can hear being spoken about him. And we see this thing that he has this relationship with God. But he also has this relationship with others. He's taking care. It says The scripture says he takes care with the arms. He's looking after the poor or the orphan or the widow, whoever is in need in that community. You know, you think of the text where Jesus says, love God with all your mind, strength and mind, but love your neighbor as well as as yourself. So in a way, this man was living in the shadow of the cross, living and and almost at what he could understand of the gospel, but not fully there. there. I I look at this and I see these, uh, beginning these images to come into my mind and I start to see all the, the challenges that that are happening there for Peter, understanding him as a devout Jew, and you know he's been reaching. He had seen some of the, you know, the outpouring of the Spirit in the Pentecost. He had seen how they received the tongues and are speaking in different languages. He's seen that God is spreading the gospel out, but yet this is still a barrier for him. He had seen in Jesus' ministry centurions believe in Jesus for healing. He had seen a Samaritan woman get. This, you know, the, the message and share the gospel to her community, but yet still there's a barrier, there's this wall that he, you know, God, really, do you want me to share the gospel to an Italian or to this centurion, to this other community? Do you really, are you really, for sure? And I find it so interesting that the, that the centurion has one vision, has this encounter with God, and he gets it, and he's out, he's ready for it, he's ready to go out. And, and, you know, do what? He's, he's ready to obey. And then I see G- Peter, almost God, having to say it. And he says in the scripture, he had to repeat it three times to him. Almost like, you know, you knucklehead. You're just not getting it, are you? I want you to really understand that I want this message to go out further than what you imagine. Further than what you expect. I want you to break some barriers. I guess for Peter it was hard. And it is culture. And it is history. And it is... You know, we've been oppressed by the Romans. We've been under their, their, their authority and rulership. They, these guys haven't been kind. They've even crucified my Savior. You know, and there's obviously the other things and, and other things that are played in action there. But there's all of this. The taxes. You know, they're unclean. And so you see these things that Peter's kind of got in there. And he's got these barriers that need to be broken through. But all we're going to see is also that God had to break some barriers as well. And we can, we'll come to that in a moment. So here comes this vision, this moment that Cornelius... There's two visions here, and a little bit on Cornelius' vision. His giving and his arms, his praise and his faith. That was something that stood before God, and it was in the presence of God. It says, the angel himself saying, I'm seeing the praise and the arms. In heaven, you are recognized, Cornelius. Your faith is speaking in heaven. Cornelius could have kind of boasted, but doesn't. He just listens. And as a good centurion, as a good soldier, I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to 
do what he says. These offerings, this memorial stands before them. We, when we go through the city of London with the kids, sometimes we, we see different monuments. And to explain, these are memorials. They are to remember, either remember the war, to remember a, a certain famous prominent man or woman in the city who, who's done something, who, who built a building or was helping in, in changing the communities. So that these things stand there and we look at them and sometimes we recognize them. If you ever get to be down East London, you'll see memorials even to men of God like uh, William Booth. We once down with the kids there and we saw he's standing there. I think if, if I'm not wrong, he's kind of preaching with the Bible in one hand and pointing out a memorial to that. So Cornelius, in a way, he's, he's lifting up his... And I, I don't think he imagined that this was going to be his encounter, that this was going to be his moment of, of, of God bringing something more to what he's been hungering inside of his soul. So this encounter happens and this memorial's there and God comes and there's this disobedience that he has. He doesn't just... And that's it. Faith is with actions. It's not dead. He's heard the voice of the Father and he's going to put it into action. You know, immediately. He goes out and sends out the men. And it is a long journey and you see it takes a while for them to arrive there and to come back. And then we see the second vision and that for me... Also, this, this whole image of what is clean and unclean, these barriers. And they were religious. You know, going back to the Old Testament, that God said that these were clean and unclean, and that these were people that you weren't to be connected to or associated with. But yet, still in Genesis, we, we see that also God's heart, when He says to Abraham, that, I, you know, I, in your seed or in, in, Christ, in, in your family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There was something in them. And they would see this also in the story of Jonah, they would see it in other texts where God wanted to reach out all the other nations. There was more to the law than they could understand. God wanted to break through all of those barriers. Yes, he wanted to say, this is the law. You know, you, this, is, this is to put you in and understand how holy the, our God is and how wicked and sinful we are and how much more we need a Savior. And then they could see this. And, and as a chosen people, you weren't the best. And he would say these things in the Old Testament. But we cho we, I chose you and I brought you out. So these things for Peter to, to see in the vision. I have never ate anything unclean. I've never done anything this messed up. And yet God is repeating it constantly, trying to get it into him. You see, Peter gets the message. And, and, and at that moment, the, these men come and he goes out. And sometimes it is that, you know, God... Are you really wanting me to go out there? Are you really pushing me out of the boat? Are you really trying to get me to talk to someone? And I think when it's, whether it's evangelism, whether it's, we're praying for someone, whether it's healing, there is always that risk, isn't it? There's always, the Lord, I've got to step out. You know, I've got to just, you know, I'm hearing you, I'm believing, I'm going to step out, I'm going to obey what you say. And understanding about how, you know, we are made in the image of God. And, and, and this, I love how the whole text has this community. There's a community waiting to encounter God. And there's this, even Peter goes with a group. And all of this is happening, preparing and setting up for this moment for something more to happen and an outpouring and a move of the Spirit to happen within them. So there's this devout man who is seeking God. And then we see these texts like, you know, God. Uh, seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And we see this man doing that in a way, and then God finds him, and God encounters him, because God, you know, he's seeking those who worship, and he encounters him. But we also see this gulf of separations, this 
complete difficulty to, to walk through. I mean, this is the challenge. And so Peter now has to step in. When we look at the book of Acts, it's, you know, just that we see the life of Peter, and then we see the, the, the rest of the story kind of goes on, on to Paul. And we see Peter's mission and beginning to understand that wanted to do more than what he imagined. There's this breakthrough. And when Peter does meet them, he does have this hesitation, doesn't he? I mean, what an introduction. You know what? I'm not really meant to be here with you guys. And on top of that, you guys are unclean. What a way to start a conversation and to introduce yourself to a group of people. And yet, you know, even with all of that, he understands God is doing something. Sometimes we may, sometimes when we're preaching or sharing or, com- or, or testifying, it may not all come out perfectly. I remember many times sharing with, with people that from a Muslim community. And that for me is, is one of the challenges. Even yesterday being with, with a Palestinian and just uh, as I was getting my hair cut. And seeing all the walls that he has lifted up. All the barriers to break through. And he, was, he even said to me, I, I sometimes cut the hair of another pastor. And he's always on about this and this. And it's so... And he doesn't, it just seems like he doesn't like us as Muslims. And I said to him, well, Jesus taught us to love our neighbors. And I said to him, our Jewish neighbor, our Muslim neighbor, our atheist neighbor. He looked at me and he said, yeah. So he started to open up and we had a great conversation. I didn't agree with some stuff. He didn't agree with some stuff with me. But at the end of it, we both said, that was a good conversation, wasn't it? And he goes, yeah, that was really good. And he, and he enjoys it. And Kenneth also got his hair cut there with us. It's all an interesting time. It is, it is difficult to break barriers. It is difficult when they've got religious ones, cultural ones, are all standing there. But when there's the Spirit of God gets involved, He breaks through. And what I see, not just in this, not just that we have to break, if anything, God has already broken through some barriers. And we've got to find those doors that are open. We've got to find those openings in the wall. When I was hearing Karen say to the children, what have you broken in the house? Or, and I was thinking, as a kid, even as an adult, I've broken things. Even recently in my house, I've sometimes broken things. And sometimes we have to find something where God is broken through. And say, okay, Lord, there's, there's an opening here. I remember sharing with another Muslim family. And with them, it was, a, it was about heat. It was about them needing something supernatural they had tried the doctors they had tried psychologists they had tried everything and they were desperate something had broken through where they would say they literally said we know that in the christian community get someone from that christian community to pray for this situation they didn't ask for the imam they didn't ask for any more doctors or medics god had already broken something within them and it was just a matter of us stepping into that and so we have to be sensitive to God. Where are you breaking? Where, where, where are the places that you are breaking through that we can step into? Where are those places where you're break, bringing down the walls so we can come in through? You've already done it. Thinking about, I don't know why that image just came into my head, but when Joshua said, I, I think it was about the land that they were going to take, he says that their, their guard, their walls have been taken away. We can enter and conquer. Sometimes it's like that. We've just got to say, Lord, let me see let me hear, let me know where I can break through, where you've already broken through. And it will sometimes look like, you know, people say, wow, look, God has done a breakthrough through this person. If anything, God had done, had done something beforehand and we're just stepping into it. And so it's, it's that thing that in this text that I see that Peter 
is hesitant. He is finding it difficult. He's seeing all of the back, but he gets in there. And God begins to do something. And God's already prepared the hearts. And this wonderful outpouring. I mean, you can imagine, he's giving this great sermon. He's, he's preaching, and, and it almost feels like he's, Luke's recording this and saying he's preaching, and then all of a sudden, bang, everyone starts speaking in tongues or worshiping God. They're lifting up his name. And it's all set, and, and they're astonished. And it was good that Peter had other witnesses there, people of his community saying, okay, can we withhold this? This isn't just for the Jews. This isn't just for us who were people of the covenant. This is more. And so they are seeing, now look, this Italian community, this Roman community, and the, and the family. I think the testimony of Cornelius must have been great that even the kids and the servants and everyone around there were, were, were serving God and loving God or seeking God. It's hard because your, your, your kids and your family usually can see your weaknesses, can't they? They can usually see when you don't live it. And it's, it's so... I, I, I encourage parents, I encourage those hearing online, pray so they can see you praying. Not because you have to boast about something, but read the Bible because you never know. And, and I've learned it here in City Temple. Let the kids be in the service. Yeah, they're making a bit of noise. Yes, they run across the room. But there's sometimes they will say, oh, and Pastor Rod said this. <laughs> or I heard Karen share that. Or, you know, uh, Oloshina said something like this. And, and, you know, and they pick up on these things. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, where did you hear that? I was on Sunday on the sermon. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let them, you know, God's breaking already something in there. And we've just got to learn how to just prepare that. So let them see you worshiping God. Let them see you, let them see you cry, struggle with things. I remember seeing my mom praying. She, my mom's one of those people who prays and, and, and ministers while she's cooking. And she'll be speaking in tongues while she's doing it. And then other times I'd see her crying in, in the kitchen while she's, I don't know, doing spaghetti bolognese. And I'd ask her, what's going on? And she goes, I just, God's here, God's doing this. And I would like say, okay. But now I, I understand that when I'm in the house and I, I'm, I'm that type of person as well. I'm cooking for the kids and I, God, pour out your spirit here. I can feel it there. I feel, I don't know, I feel, feel the spirit of God when there's food. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but it's this thing about us being made in the image of Christ again. And that, that was the, the purpose of this encounter. The image of God had been broken. They, they'd lost it. You know, all of humanity, whether Roman, whether Gentile, whether Greek, whether other nations, Africa, whatever, the, 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 the image of God was damaged. And God wanting to restore, and that is the gospel, that the good news that Jesus Christ came, He died, he, he took our sins, He conquered death, He defeated Satan, sickness was overcome on the cross, and then He resurrected for our victory. He comes again, and, and we know that He's coming again for us. And so that message there, and, and, and we, we get to be participant, we get to be co-laborers in that. And it's a wonderful thing that we can now be saying, Lord, where have you broken through? Where can I connect? I'm looking at Galatians chapter 2. We're justified by faith. This isn't about the law, the rituals, and the things. And, and those things helped to understand. And that Paul could say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I must now rest in the accomplished work of Christ. I must now just know, God, you've done something, and I'm going I'm to rest in that. I'm going to be in that. God will break through. In Jesus' death and resurrection, God has broken through. Going back to those churches I mentioned to you, the first church, the one in London, 
when I, when I shared with them, they were, like I said, white middle class leadership and a church that loves their community. So that was more than a year ago. I think it was a year and a bit ago that I was with them. And I went back because I needed to pick up some books and to give back some books. And I knew that their associate minister had, had left for mission work. So I'm sitting there I'm to go and drop off my books and I'm meeting up with the pastor. And then I um, see this young African guy sitting in the corner in where used to be the associate minister's seat. And I, I look and, okay, well, I'm not, not sure what's happening, but... And I asked Pastor what's going, how did it go here? Have you found an associate minister? Yeah, this is the young man. He's, he's from Congo. He's, he's now part of our team. And he's, the leadership, he's part of our, our leadership now. And he, he didn't say anything to me like, you know, your, your conversation kind of helped me kind of think of these things a bit more. And then when I'm in Barcelona with this other pastor, they said to me, oh, yeah, we're going to do a service for the Spanish, a service for the Latinos, and a service for the, for the gypsies. I remember I said to them, when you're in primary school or in secondary school or university, do they separate the gypsies, the Latinos, and the Catalans, the Spanish, into different groups? Did they segregate them? No. So why are you doing that in the church? And um, when I catch, catch up with them, they've now got a, people from the uh, estates and from the council homes coming in that are uh, Catalan. We, when we were there, we actually went out to eat with them, the, uh, the gypsies, sorry, gypsies. There's a big division with them, and they, you know, they like and dislike those of you who know the history and the stories. But it was great. We met a wonderful lady called Conchi, who, who does the nails for the community, and she does paints and everything, and she's a gypsy woman. But she loves Jesus, and she loves Spain, and she loves Europe, and she loves the people, and she's breaking barriers. And she was like there, she's like pulled out a grabbed the tomato uh, puree and, and, and uh, jamón serrano, and she's just filling it up and saying, okay. And she's getting all the kids, everyone. And we were just there like at 9 p.m. This is a different culture. 9 p.m. kids are outside playing in the park. And we're there with our kids, you know, all right, fine, let's go for it. And we're just sharing with the people there. It was just an interesting just seeing how God had break, started to break barriers with them. And they're, they're finding it challenging. It is difficult when you have people that you don't understand or they, they have certain barriers in their heart. But we've got to look for those places where God's broken through and say, Lord, I want to be the light there and I want to share the love of, that you have through them. So I, I, I pray still because I know I've got barriers still to, to work on. The last one, my wife and I, when we were working with a church, it was one barrier. We're just going to stay within this community and we don't want to reach any other community. And remember, my wife and I planted the first English-speaking service. And it was like, wait a minute, we're in London we should be doing this. We should be reaching out, you know, not just to Brazilians or just to Colombians or just to Ecuadorians. So we planted a, the first English-speaking service in this. And we had all of the battle, the religious, the cultural, the, the demonic. <laughs> At one point, we literally had to die and say, that's it, we surrender. And we did. And we said, we're not going to fight this anymore. And as we laid that to rest and buried. My wife cried so much to see that go. And as we walked away from it, and something that we learned was that when you let go of a vision, that it, and it is God's vision, God will resurrect it and others will take it. We now hear that they have an English service in that community. Another generation has picked it up, and they love it, they're growing it, they're fighting for it, they're looking after it. 
And for us, it's a joy. Even, it hurts. It's a bittersweet thing because you know, we, we were kind of there wanting to see that happen. But we're grateful that God kept it in their hearts still to continue that. And we pray that that will go on and, and do much more. We hear they have Nigerians, they have Turkish, they have ex-military, uh, they have students. They've got different, and they're reaching out and they're, they're challenging with, with, with so many things. And they're still having their own battle within them. But that's about breaking those barriers. Another wonderful thing in this text that I don't want to skip, and I know it's a little bit more, but it's the sickness. And I did not know Pastor Rod was going to be here today. <laughs> I did not know. But it's for me, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. For me, that text is, you know, it reminds me of so much. The past, biblically, people like John G. Lake and others who would stand Smith Wigglesworth and believe and understand that God had broken the barrier of sickness. And they had this authority. They understood we're not going to let sickness hold us back anymore. And they would pray for healing and believe for God's, you know, by his stripes, we are healed. So I know I, I, I pray and I just, I'm so grateful that my pastor's here today. I'm grateful that we, we are here together as a community. And it just feels good, no? When, when, you know, dad's in the house. You feel, hey, the house is, is secure. And so we're, we're in a place. And I, I want us to stand as we pray. I want us to pray for two things. For those in our community that are broken, that need the gospel. And I want us to pray for our, for our pastor as well, for healing. And I, I just feel that that was, I don't know why. It happened, but you're here, and I'm going to take advantage of it. <laughs> and if anyone needs healing, I also want to pray for that. I, I don't want to miss that opportunity. Whatever sickness, whatever pain in the body. I didn't get any words of knowledge today, but... Um, I, I sometimes even believe you, you don't have to come forward to get healing. Just as you stand and raise your hand, we pray that the Spirit of God touch you. But I would like you to always share a testimony. Let's stand as we pray. Let's stand. And the first thing we're going to pray for is for the need of our communities, our need of our, our areas where we are, whether you're in the university, college, whether you are um, in the city working, or maybe you're in the education system, whether you're uh, a, a mum or a father that's at home. Every area that we are in, every community, every, every part that we're in, we, we play an important role and that we can reach out to those that are in need in those, those areas. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And we're just grateful, Lord, that you did, you broke barriers, Lord. You went through these difficulties that one generation had, Lord. That it, to understand that the gospel wasn't just for the Jews, Lord, but it was for all nations, Lord. That they didn't understand that at that moment, Peter could not understand, but yet he, he obeyed you, Lord. And today, Lord, we pray also for those in our communities, those around us, need those who are, have broken their walls, Lord, whatever it is, they're hungry for you, they're, they're thirsting for, for, the, for heaven, they're thirsting, Lord, for the truth, they're thirsting, Lord, for life, they're, they're hungry, Lord, for something that means something deep within their lives, Lord. They're, 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 there's a hunger out there within our, the Muslim community, the Hindu community, the Buddhist community, Lord Father. Even in the LGBT community, there's a hunger for, for, the, for truth, for life, for, for, for God, for the, for, for the gospel, Lord. And that we, Lord, can find those broken areas and, and come in and bring your healing oil to bring your life and your word and your spirit into those places, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Jesus' name, we pray for those areas. For education, universities, colleges across the city of London, Lord, across the nation. Lord, as we lift up our hands to Pastor Rod, Lord, we just uh, thank you for him being here with us. 
we know what you have begun in him, Lord, you will complete and finish, Lord. Lord Father, that no weapon formed against him will prosper, Lord. Lord, that you are with him, Lord, that you has a great reward in you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can honor, we pray for strength, we pray for complete healing on, on his vocal cords, his throat, every from the top of his head to the sole of his foot, Lord. We fill him with a fresh anointing, Lord, for vision for the year, Lord, to, to lead us as people of God, Lord. Lord, use him in the harvest net. Use him, Lord, in freedom for Christ. Use him for the nations, for Asia, for Africa, for Europe. Use him for Latin America, Lord Father. That apostolic voice that you've placed in him, Lord Father. That catalyst to bring change and transformation, Lord. Father, you raise up those hundreds of spiritual sons, Lord. Father, we just connect together, Lord, and we just thank you for his healing. We thank you for his for his for his moment here with us, Lord, as well. Father, we, we give you glory and honor. We're just so grateful for all that you're doing, Lord. And we pray for, right now for healing in this place. If there's anyone with pain in their backs, pain in, in the right leg, in the knees, we command in the name of Jesus, sickness be gone. Every swelling, inflammation, any, any even rashes, or dry skin right now in the name of Jesus like bring healing upon them right now we thank you Lord for healing in every area of the body Lord I would like to do one more prayer maybe if we can pray together if you're here visiting us for the first time we just want to pray and we just say if you pray with me say Lord Jesus we ask you today to come into our hearts and do your work in our lives fill us with your Holy Spirit want to know you as Lord and Savior. And we thank you that the gospel is for everyone, that the good news is for all nations, for all people. That you take away our sin and make us new, a new creation, a new people. New. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you don't look at our past to work in our future. Lord, that you make all things new. And just, I thank you for those who are here listening for the first time. And those listening online as well, Lord, we pray they hear your word. We give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.